And welcome back to another episode of the Fit Method Podcast. I'm your host, David Lohman, and returning with me, co-founder Gary Ross, just two of us today. And uh, we're excited to jump into a Q&A. A lot of this was, uh, I guess, a lot of the influence behind these questions were from a recent running class um, that I went to with our other coach, TJ Mentis. And we get a lot of these same questions, you know, throughout the year, but I wrote down all of them because they were so pertinent and multiple people asked me the same question. So Gary, glad, glad you're joining me today and I'm not doing this solo. So no, glad never, we could man. do this. Before we start, I know we have a bunch of questions. Got to just kind of reflect on the last month as a, as a company and the growth, um, been pretty tremendous, right? You want to talk about a couple of those things briefly? Um, obviously we've got an incredible speed coach uh, working out of fit method now. Yeah. And I just put up a post. If, you, if anyone has been on our social media yeah, this, yeah. this week, uh, we, we have a shred mill that was all because of Ernest and he was able to work some things out with that company to get them a new one. Yeah. And uh, one of four in the state thing weighs 500 pounds. We had, <laughs> you know, five or six of us to get it through the door, but we made it work. So we're kind of uh, shaping ourselves as one of the premier speed training facilities in the Charlotte area, as well as the post rehabilitation it's part of our sports performance package. Now, you athlete, whether they're professional, we have we had a professional guy in here today. They can work on speed in a way that. What was the defining factor for that piece of equipment? The last uh, four combines or so. Last two years. Two or th- actually, top- Ernest told me more than that. That's what they showed. But I think he said it's three or four. Either way, even two years, the top five times were all by athletes who were practicing consistently on that same piece of equipment. So, yeah. what a blessing! Between that and other growth things, we'll talk about in the future with South Park and so forth been a great month and Absolutely. getting back to the Phil now twins I wasn't there for that uh, seminar you guys did but obviously that went really well with TJ and his FRC and, and your stretching stuff so yeah absolutely I mean they they're in the height of all the competitive races this summer going into the fall I know Megan said they've got um, I think Kona which is like the world championships that for, is the Ironman yeah for, for the Ironman that's legit it's coming up in like October I think so phenomenal they're all gearing up for that. And, um, like I said, got a lot of these questions that were very good questions. Um, agreed. So start with number one. And, um, so I'll just ask a question and then we'll jump into it. Yeah. How do you know when to push through a little bit of discomfort? So the, the question was not based on pain. It was just discomfort. Like those specific person who asked me this question, um, noticed when she started running, it was related to her right hip. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll give a little more background to this, but back to the question, as far as discomfort, how, how do you know when to push through that in your training versus backing off a bit? And this is, this just comes with, I think a lot of maturity as you grow, as grow into being an elite athlete, yeah. knowing your body very well. And, and you'll yeah. see that with a lot of high school and middle school athletes, they just don't know their body enough. They yeah. have no awareness. And I, th- I think awareness is the key an- key word here, but what I was able to diagnose about her was her piriformis was just really locked up. Yeah. I did a little bit of AIS on it. She started running again. She was like, man, it feels way better. Yeah. So obviously there's an assessment piece there for each individual. Yeah. So it, it d- definitely depends, but I'll let you, I'll let you continue. And a lot, a lot of times the root cause of piriformis being overactive, of course, is glutes not being strong enough. It always comes out of the, well, not always, but uh, a couple of things. So in the course of our training clients and the relationships that we build with those clients, a lot of times they'll ask us, what can I push through? And I always ask them a series of questions. One of those things is, does it keep you up at night? 
if it doesn't, I mean, that's significant if it's keeping you up at night. Is it joint pain or muscle soreness? Huge differentiator. If your knee is actively aching when you run and it's not going away and you start to feel it up and down the stairs, I wouldn't push through that. I would go get it looked at by somebody. If your hammy's a little bit sore, more than usual, because you ran uphill, maybe it's different. So it's all muscle versus joint kind of thing and how high level. If your shoulder hurts so much and you can't put your shirt on because your rotator cuff is compromised, don't push through that. Go get it looked at by a medical professional and then send them to us eventually, you know? So yeah. that's how I form those, those questions. Yeah, and, and another way I kind of frame it for people is if it gets better during exercise, like if yes. you just need to warm, if, if your body just has to warm up a little bit and then it feels much better, then you're probably okay to push, yeah. push through it. If your pain, and this is something uh, Dr. Corey and I had talked about a while back related to my left shoulder, because once I warmed up, I was actually good. He said, as long as your pain threshold is below a three. Which we use here as well. We always ask. Like, if it gets to a three, it's fine. If it's if it's getting yeah. much, much higher than yeah. that, you might want to back off because it could be, you know, just a little bit of inflammation, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. So this morning, you know, and we can move on, I know, but Curtis came in. Oh yeah. To train. yeah. Yeah. So he did a stretching class. I'm not going to see where he did it, but it was overstretching <laughs> and his right glute, like glute med was hurting him. Literally his right lat was hurting him to where breathing was compromised. He thought it was his lat. It was more like his rib cage. Was this long static stretching? Yeah. A lot of that. Okay. And so he wasn't warmed up and he told me he's playing golf tomorrow. He said, Gary, can I play golf? I said, all right, let's do this. I had a workout planned. I flipped it on its head. We did some reciprocal inhibition, turned his quads off, his glute could function better, got his glutes moving smoothly where he wasn't feeling the glute med, but the glute max. And then we did some um, like light banded rows to get some protraction and stretching, did some ribcage expansion to and his lat. So by the end, he was throwing the medicine ball full speed, zero pain. But that's because we knew it wasn't a joint. If he came in here and said, my knee is swollen, right? It's, it's, yeah. You got to kind of identify. We don't want to be too overreactive and be like, oh my God, I have to go to the... But you can't wait. So that's how I differentiate between pushing through something versus let me not push through this. Let me get this looked at by a professional and not injure myself more long term. And some people are just naturally a little bit more hyperbolic when it comes to injuries and stuff. That a- absolutely. They, some people think worst case scenario, you know, whereas you and I are both, both like, well, let's yeah. look at this. More pragmatic with it. Yeah. But yeah, don't, don't panic, but also don't hesitate <laughs> to get it looked at. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good question. Number two, this could be a little bit of a lengthy answer, but uh, so the question was related to soft tissue. Uh, so let's define soft tissue uh, mobilization. So that could be foam rolling, using a lacrosse pole. This could be using a massage gun. Those are pretty popular now. Uh, it could be getting a massage or self-myofascial release in any mm-hmm. of those spectrums. The question is, when is the best time to do it? What is the best frequency and duration? And it always comes back to our two favorite words in the English language. It depends. It depends on how many days a week you're working out. As far as when the best time to do it, I mean, generally speaking, we like to have our clients do a little soft tissue work before and after our, their sessions if they have the time to do so. But it depends. You can do too much soft tissue work if it's too intense. Absolutely. Right? It, it makes the muscle sore. Uh, Frequency-wise, it depends. If you are a triathlete, you might have to do it every single day. If you're working out twice a week, it, it all depends. So like yeah. that one's hard to really nail down. Depends on where the athlete or the client is, what existing injuries they have, how sore they are, and other lifestyle factors like their sleep and their recovery. 
I would factor all that in before I can give a definitive answer on that one. Well, I've got a perfect example of this. So sure. <clears throat> had a professional, well, he was collegiate golfer. Now he's gone professional. Had Was doing this humongous soft tissue routine. It was over the top. <laughs> Asked him specifically what, what areas he was doing because he was telling me he had some hip pain and lower back pain. And what I identified was he was roll, he was foam, foam rolling and doing soft tissue with a lacrosse ball on his QL multiple times. Yeah. And so I was like, we're going to change yeah. this up completely. So I had him focus more on his hip flexor for releasing it and doing more activation and stability yeah, work yeah. for the low back. And he said within 24 hours, like the next morning, he woke up best his hip had felt in like three weeks. So it's, it's knowing, I guess depending on the athlete you're working with, if they're communicating effectively and, and can tell you exactly what they're doing, yeah, where they're experiencing the pain, you can identify it based on that assessment and adjust accordingly because we know soft tissue turns the muscle. It's basically telling the nervous system, hey, shut this muscle down, almost like protecting it. Like, yeah. let's turn it off. Let's not versus the other end of that spectrum activation. So I, I think it's knowing which, when, when you know anatomy so well, it's like, I and think you, you could... Go ahead. No, it, knowing anatomy so well <laughs> is why we're so stringent with, I mean, we have a lead session next week with somebody who may be training at another location of ours potentially down the road. They need to know anatomy far better than quote unquote average trainer for that very reason. It's not an easy fix sometimes. So yeah, no, that's, it's a great point what you just made there. So long story short, I, I would say if you're going into a dynamic sport movement I would focus more on activation. I try and tell a lot of my athletes to do their soft tissue before bed because um, it's very calming. It brings the nervous system yeah, down. PNS gets kicking in a little bit, right? Parasympathetic it kicks in. So it's good for sure. Because um, with that specific golfer in the past, like this was going back a couple years ago, he was doing a lot of foam rolling before he went to play. And he said like halfway through the round, his body just wasn't holding up. Of course. I was like, let's focus more on activation yeah. before you go play. We changed that up, and literally, it was like night and day difference. And, have, and, and he's doing the soft tissue before bed now, yeah. and it's making a huge yeah, difference. Yeah, I have no problems doing soft tissue in the beginning as long as there's activation as well. If you're putting your glutes to sleep and trying to squat, that's a bad combination. <laughs> so soft tissue is okay, but there needs to be in that movement prep, dynamic movement, absolutely. So yeah, agreed on that. Awesome. Number three. Okay, here it is. Is there a significant difference? Oh, this is actually real funny enough. Um, goes back to kind of what you were talking about with Curtis. Mm -hmm. Is there a significant difference between static and dynamic stretching in terms of the injury prevention and performance enhancement? I mean, there's, for there's, sure. There's a gigantic. For sure. I mean, back difference. in the day, I would say from an outdated perspective, static stretching was the, was the, when people thought of stretching, and some people still think of that, they think of static stretching. Does static stretching have its place? Sometimes it does if a specific muscle needs to be put to sleep, give or take. But for movement-wise, it doesn't fix things a lot of times, especially if you're going to play golf. Dynamic stretching is far better based on the science than static stretching. If you're going to do other type of stretching that's more like therapeutic, I prefer active isolated stretching. Right. Little plug for Fit Method. Yep. Most of our trainers are, are <laughs> AIS certified, but I'm a big believer in it. I did it today with a client, with a new client, the one I told you about um, that I actually left the facility for. Sure. It worked magic on him. I told him the background of it. It works really well. So static stretching has its place. I would say we don't do that here. I don't see our I've coaches ever. doing it. We do dynamic for sure as part of our movement prep. We do either PNF or active isolated or mobility-based stuff like FRC type of stuff that, that Ventus does. 
dynamics better than static, generally speaking, for sure. Yep. And the only time I think that, uh, static might be like the only time of day that I think that, that kind of goes back to yeah. b- before bed. Yeah. If it's just you're sitting in front of the, you know, do do your mobility work, your soft tissue. Yeah. In the evening, I think that's the only time because you're going to bed. Shut yeah. everything down at that point. The only static stretch, if you want to call it that, that I do and that some of us do is dead hangs with our clients. Decompress the spine, right? Right, but that's not a traditional static stretch. They're just kind of hanging there for thirty seconds. That's the closest thing I'd say we do to static stretching here on a regular basis. Yep, that or maybe like a couch stretch. That would be about it. Even that, I try to make it dynamic often, and, and I do too. Yeah, I just think it's better for what they're looking for. If they have to hold it, they hold it. So maybe that, yeah. But generally speaking, we utilize dynamic and other types of stretching far more than than static stretching here, which makes sense for our approach. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Number four. Can oh, this is actually uh, semi-related. Can overstretching lead to a decreased ability and increased risk of injury? And how can we strike the right balance? Yeah, I mean, hundred <laughs> percent. We just said that. I had a client come in this morning who stretched too much. He was in pain. He was limping almost because his glute was overstretched. If you take a muscle that's sore or tight, or maybe not even, to- it's just a normal muscle, and you keep pulling on it and pulling on it. And then people think, well, it feels tight. Let me just keep pulling on it and pulling on it. Overstretching, that's why an assessment, you need to know what the root cause is. Are you stretching your hammies? Why are your hamstrings tight? Why are a lot of our clients' hamstrings tight? What would you say? Um, well, they sit down most of the day. Yeah, their that's hamstrings are, are overactive. Their glutes aren't functioning well enough, right? It, it's passive stability. Yeah. Is what, what is created. So that's why... Stretching has its place if what you're stretching is the root cause of the problem that you're having, if that makes any sense whatsoever. But a lot of times their hamstrings are pretty weak. They're weak. Man, one thing we see here a lot, and and you see that a lot on YouTube and in other facilities, is people will stretch their hip flexors or their client's hip flexors to the blue in the face. And the hamstrings or the hip flexors are always, it's a weakness issue. So stretching it feels good for a second, and then right away they feel, oh, they're so tight. Because they're weak, they can't handle the load. So... Overstretching is often a case of not identifying the right root cause of the issue. My calf is tight. Oh, let me just keep stretching my calf. Well, is your calf tight? Because when you run, you don't have enough glute activation and the calf is used, or, or you have a tight anterior tibialis and your calf is getting overloaded. Like, what's the root cause? Because otherwise, stretching, I always tell people, stretching is part of a solution. Yep. It is never, very rarely, the entire solution by itself. It's one tool in the toolbox. One tool in the toolbox. It's the screwdriver, but sometimes you need a hammer mm-hmm. or a pliers. If you keep trying to use the screwdriver for all your... Try to hammer a nail into the wall with a screwdriver. You could probably do it, but it's not going to be the best tool. Well, and it's, it goes back to the definition of insanity. You know, sure. people want to keep stretching and stretching and stretching, yeah. thinking that that's... But it's it's typically a temporary relief. That's exactly what it is. Same with rolling. A lot of times rolling is very beneficial, and so is stretching. Don't get me wrong. We're not... It's part of the toolbox, like you said. But if there's a muscular deficiency, it's not functioning. The muscles aren't doing their job. You're always going to feel tight. You're always going to feel weak. It's gonna, does it make sense? So it's yeah. always going to feel... So the lats, for example, a lot of times the lats are, are weak. They need to be strengthened through a full range of... Mo- That's why eccentric movements are so important. But yeah, overstretching, we see it a lot, especially these days. The obsession with foam rolling and recovery, it's it's important. But when that becomes the only solution... And there's no activation stuff like we talked about earlier. It does create that feeling of chronically being tight and sore, which doesn't feel good sometimes. 
And a lot of this is geared towards more of endurance athletes. Yeah, yeah. One thing we definitely know, especially from the people we've interacted with in the last month, a lot of them aren't doing strength training. So they're only doing cardio, cardio or conditioning, running, biking, swimming. That's repetitive all movements. Repetitive. Thousands, tens of thousands of times of very similar movements. Mostly sagittal plane too, right? It's all Correct. forward. Yep. So, and you know, you have to sympathize with them. That's a full-time gig. Prepping for an Ironman is Men- so many hours, Just- mentally and physically. When do you find your strength training time? but you kind of have to, even if it's not going to be the same as a bodybuilder, obviously, or just a regular, you still have to strength train. Cause if you don't, you're going to, it's a matter of time before you develop imbalances, I think. Or injuries. Or injuries, which yeah, imbalances lead to injury for sure. But going back to what, what you were saying with somebody that's chronically tight, you know, I would look at like, have you, have you loaded that tissue sure. ever sure. <laughs> before? Yeah. Probably haven't. If you look at how TJ worked with um, a couple of his clients, they had very similar hamstring tendinopathy issues. And yeah, part of it is you first get the muscles around, get the glutes functioning, yep. but then build the strength of the hamstrings themselves, right? Right. The tendons don't, um, muscles react quickly. Yes. Tendons take time. Yep. So we have to kind of strengthen around it, but yeah, you have to understand how to approach that whole thing for sure. Yeah. I remember when, um, when Dr. Corey next door was working through, I had a little bit of, we'll call it tendonitis. I don't think that's what it was, but it was just a little bit of inflammation on the anterior shoulder. Mm-hmm. And he was even saying, you know, this could take several weeks sure. because it, if it is tendon related, what we know is that, it, you know, that might be six to eight weeks before that calms yeah. down. But yeah. just because you're experiencing a little bit of discomfort doesn't mean that you want to completely stop loading it. Correct. Because as ten, tendons need load. Yes. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. And actually being able to experience it myself. Yeah. You walked down that road. Yeah. Um, now I can better speak on what that, experience feels like um, versus, you know, it, there's obviously a huge difference between discomfort and pain. I never had really any, what I would describe as pain. Sure. It was just, I would say inflammation. Yeah. I mean, we talk about our, we talk about this multiple times in different podcasts together, but the scope of our practice, if there's the word pain keeps coming up from our clients, man, this hurts or there's swelling. I feel pretty good about where I'm at from a corrective exercise perspective. I know you do as well. But if there's swelling, if there's joint pain, if they need an intervention that involves a physical therapist like dry needling or or stim or laser or just to have a medical professional opinion, that's where we have to be humble enough to say, okay, I, we've tried a couple of things. It still hurts. Let me let me get you connected to so-and-so, to Corey or to whoever at Josh's or, or wherever we send somebody if they live somewhere else. Yep. Um, that's scope of practice stuff right there, like knowing how to identify those things. So, although we market ourselves, because we are. Post-rehabilitation. As post-rehabilitation. And I like to talk more about the prehab as well, prehabilitation, mm-hmm. before you get hurt. But we have to be able to know our scope and not try to fix it all, because we're not doctors. Right. Yeah. Awesome. That was quick. Yeah, well, it was good questions. A lot of overlap between the questions. It's good to have questions from a specific population. Um, they're in a unique population, the endurance athlete. They're very mentally tough. They're almost obsessive. They have to be. How do you go run that many miles and swim that many miles and, and, and bike that many miles? Well, it's the endorphins. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. They get, but, but they are prone to, they're not going to have an acute injury like a, a basketball player who's dunking, right? But they're more prone to those creepy, slow to creep up on you injuries. Mm-hmm. But once they come in on you, they can really slow you down. And then, as we know, they need their mileage. 
they there's no other choice. You can't get ready for Kona for Ironman, and you miss a month. You just can't. So keeping them out of pain, it was great to see that turnout because there was quite a few people there. Over thirty. And, uh, yeah, and I saw TJ in the middle of the field and doing the FRC, which he does with a lot of his clients here. Seeing that approach on a big scale is uh, is always cool to see. That is that is the fit method, right? Like it's like, how do we prehabilitate and not just post rehabilitate people? Right. And that's a big part of what we're doing now with the um, power plates. Coach Ernest is out there right now, jumping athletes on the power plates, which will show is one leg being favored over the other in the landing and the jumping mechanics. If it is, we can program for that athlete to avoid the potential injury that comes from having imbalances in their jumping pattern. Yep. So that whole like diagnostic approach, we're getting more involved in. It's been just in a tremendous month. So anywhere from an endurance athlete doing an Ironman to a kid preparing for a 40-yard dash in NFL Combine, for us to now have the capabilities to address all those clientele and everyone in between, plus all our adult client, it's it's been tremendous, man. Pumped. It's it's for uh, it should be encouraging for any athlete that comes in to work at a coach with a coach Absolutely. here for the amount of time that we spend on the front end assessing and diagnosing and constantly reassessing. Sure, because um, that that's all it took for those athletes that we worked with a few a uh, couple weeks ago. I mean, I, I looked at their hip and did a few different things, and within two three minutes, yeah, knew exactly what was going on. Sure, knew knew how to address it, and they saw immediate relief. Yeah, they felt it. And then, like even in here, uh, I won't say the name, but there was a professional football player. He just retired not too long ago. Who was on the treadmill today? Oh, cool. Yeah, that was so while he, I was out of. Yeah yeah, 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 and you could tell. I mean, he's, he's a big, strong dude. So a couple of Grant's clients came in. You know, a field hockey player and. Her brother plays baseball as a pitcher. And they come in and they see an NFL guy jamming on the treadmill. Man, it's motivational. Because now you're like, oh, we saw the field turf before. But now this is like a really a sports performance. And that's our vision, man. To be the number one premier. I'm sure there's other phenomenal people who do it. But I want us to be the number one premier prehab, post-rehab, and sports performance facility in Charlotte. And anywhere else that we kind of expand into. And to see us really make some big headway this month to that goal not just equipment, but the coaching quality more than anything else. Equipment is equipment. It's the coaches. That's the people are the most important thing. To see the team that is joining us here is, man, it's, I'm still kind of processing it. It's been that awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's all happened rather fast. <laughs> yeah, I would say to be, so. To, to be quicker than we anticipated. Oh, well, we don't talk about our faith enough. We talk about it well, with each other, but on yeah. the podcast we don't. But I mean, both Dave and I are devout in our faith and we pray about everything that we do here and, and we want to always give glory to God for that. So we pray a lot and all the stuff that is lined up in the last month, I can never plan. You can never plan. That's God at his finest. And, and I'm just humbled and grateful for where this is going. Man, what a month it's been. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is encouraging. So we'll be back soon with another interview. We've got, got a lot of guests lined up for the rest of the yes. summer. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> so we'll see how that all shakes out. And uh, I'll, we'll do another Q&A uh, here in the next few weeks as awesome. well. Awesome. Nice guys. So send, you, send us your questions, um, subscribe to our show. And if you want to reach out to us directly on our Instagram page uh, with any questions you guys have. Awesome. Thanks right. guys. See ya.